Valley Creek family, friends, and guests here today. I am so happy to be with you, and I'm thankful that you've given me the privilege of preaching to you today. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles out, and I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, because what we're going to do today is what's been done for 150 years. We're going to look to God's Word. Is that all right with you all? all right. If not, we're going to do it anyway, all right? But as you're turning, I, I kind of set the st- scene just a little bit. Brother Shane and Joy Carroll have already helped set this up. But again, I want you to imagine what it was like back in 1872. Right? As they shared with us, the Civil War had only been over for seven years. And so the country was still trying to recover from the Civil War. As he said, Ulysses S. Grant was our president. President. At that time, women's suffrage was beginning, and Susan B. Anthony, yes, was arrested that year for voting illegally. Can you imagine that? A lot of things were going on that year. Think, think about this as well. Homes did not have electricity, and they were lit by candlelight. All right, The, the way you, you liked to get around during those days was mostly horse and buggy. Sound like a lot of fun? As they said, Aaron Montgomery Ward opened the first mail order catalog. Can you imagine a page featuring 150 items? Amazon would be a whole lot easier to shop on if there's only 150 items, right? Right? All right. Life obviously was much different back then than now. But something else in that year that we have to remember is in 1872, when that year began, there was not a church here in the Valley Creek area. Can you imagine that? However, as Joy Carroll shared with us on a warm Thursday, August the 8th, a council comprised of membership from seven churches met under the apple tree in the yard of Brother William C. Rogers. And that day, those 25 people, yes, they presented themselves as constituting members. And a few weeks later, that group gathered again for worship and chose Valley Creek as the name. And a newly formed church began that began that what is still today Valley Creek Baptist Church. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about what's happened in 150 years since that day. We've been through two world wars. We've been through a Great Depression. Our country has had 29 presidents. We've experienced the Civil Rights Movement. The Second Industrial Revolution happened, which helped cause the popularity of things like automobiles. You happy for that? Since 1872, electricity became a standard in homes. Televisions became a common household items. Computers came into existence. The internet was developed. And then we have all these cell phones, right, that we carry around and can't do without. I mean, so much has happened in 150 years, has it not? All right. And one thing that has existed, though, through all of those events and through all of those changes is Valley Creek Baptist Church. It has been here to experience those changes and to help people as they've walked through those changes, even at times wondering, what do those changes mean for my life? Valley Creek has been a constant that has truly ministered to many people through the years. Now, as I think about this reality, I think about Paul's letter to the Philippians. We can read in Acts 16 where Paul had helped to establish the church at Philippi. This was a group of believers that he loved and that he cared for. And since the church's establishment, they had continued to support Paul. In fact, he most likely wrote this letter in response to the Philippians sending Epaphroditus, who may have been their pastor, to minister to Paul while he was in prison in Rome and to take a financial contribution to him to help him in his time of imprisonment. 
And so the first thing we see Paul do in this letter is he expresses a fondness remembered. All right, think about it. a fondness that's remembered. Look at how he starts this letter in verse one. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. You see, Paul begins this letter with a standard introduction, but when he gets, gets to verses three and four, they're really powerful as he basically tells the Philippian believers that every time that, that he thinks of them, he thanks God for them. He goes even further to say they make his prayers with joy. They make his prayers with joy. In other words, he remembers them fondly and thanks God for them constantly. I mean, what a great thing for Paul to say. I mean, it was a true compliment for the Philippian believers. I'm sure as he maybe penned those words, he thought of people like Lydia who had accepted the Lord just days after Paul and Silas made it to Philippi. After receiving Christ and being baptized, she invited them into her home so that she might help to care for them and to support the ministry as they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was probably thankful for people like the Philippian jailer who had been shaken to his core, literally shaken to his core by God, right? Y'all remember that earthquake? Right. After that, he then accepted Jesus into his life. He embraced Paul and Silas and saw his whole household come to faith. Now, these are just two of the people that I'm sure came to Paul's mind as he remembered with fondness the believers at Philippi. Because he declared such a strong joy, I am positive of this, that there are many more names that are not recorded in Scripture and many more stories that we are not aware of. But what is clear is this, is that Paul had fond memories of the believers at Philippi and his time that he had shared with them. Now, I'm going to say this this morning. I understand the way Paul felt, and I understand what he was saying, because here's what I know. I have so many fond memories of Valley Creek. You see, I have been blessed to be connected with Valley Creek for all 53 years of my life. The first part of those years, I'll be honest with you, I really don't remember the first few years of my connection to Valley Creek. And here's why, because they were spent in the nursery in a little white church that sat across the roads. All right, how many of y'all remember that little white church? Got a few hands. See, there's a few of you, right? I, I, I barely remember it, all right, because they tore it down. I was still fairly young when they tore it down, but I was in the nursery in that church. And here's what I'm sure took place, though I don't remember the face or the name. I'm sure there was a nursery worker who sang to me, Jesus loves me, this I know. Don't you imagine? And so even when I was in the nursery, they began to implant Jesus into my heart. But my earliest memories of Valley Creek do include a lot of people and a lot of events. I think about people like J.W. and Joy Carol Miller. And I'm not just thinking of Joy Carol's pies either. Okay? Though I'm really hoping there's one out there, Joy Carol. And may, there's three. Did you save me a piece? I better, okay, talk to Frankie. Maybe Frankie will put one aside for me at the end, all right? But it's not that pie. Here's what I'm thankful for, their faithfulness to the ministry of the church and to know that their service can never be, never be repaid this side of heaven. You see, it is Joy Carroll's crossing of every T and dotting of every I that has helped us preserve much of the history of this church so that we can celebrate it today. You saw just a small display of what she can do, all right? JW has served as deacon among many other things 
including, y'all may not have known this, comedian. I remember many years of being in the choir with J.W. Miller, and he always came in with a good joke, and we always laughed because he was in the choir, or we, he always made it a good time. I never really, it went, when I was young, I never understood how J.W. and Joy Carroll came together, all right? <laughs> she seemed to be so proper. She seemed to be so proper, and J.W. was just the opposite. I said, how did they ever come together, right? But, but I remember with fineness them. I, I think of people like Pete and Ethel Nolan, who've been models of faithfulness as well. Through many years of running a dairy, all right, which is, if you don't know this, that's a seven-day-a-week job. They were always at church. They are always a part of the ministry. They were always a part. I'm so thankful of that. And this morning, Miss Peggy, who is here this morning, I think she probably gave me during vacation Bible school a few uh, cookies and Kool-Aid, all right? I, I remember all, all, all these things. I saw Peggy Ross walk in this morning. I about fell over when Peggy Ross walked in today. All right, there's never, I mean, she taught the Bible. You want a good Bible study teacher? That's Miss Peggy Ross. And I remember being a teenager and being impacted by the way she taught the word of God. And I have all these things, all these names, all these that come to my mind, all right? I even, I think about this. I think my years in my teenage years, or maybe a little bit younger, all the plays I acted in here at church. Frankie Lawson could tell you about those days. Uh, she could tell you they were fun too, especially when Mitch and Mike Ash were part of that group. Uh, there was never a dull moment. I, I still to this day remember one day we were doing one of our Christmas plays and one of the cast members skipped a line, all right, missed their line, and we missed two whole pages of the play. <laughs> but you want to know something? We never missed a beat. Nobody in the congregation ever knew. We carried a lot along, right along with that, all right? But little did I know at that time, all those things were preparing me for what God was going to call me to do because believe it or not, learning to project your voice and be a little animated is a good thing for a preacher, right? All right, so, so God was imparting those things in me. Now, God used those times and those people to help me, all right? And, and, and when I think about Valley Creek, this has been a place that has impacted me in so many ways. It is here at Valley Creek that I met my beautiful and gifted wife, Kim, it was here at Valley Creek that we were married. It is Valley Creek that has helped raise my kids and helped them to be the great young adults that they are today. Again, the number of people who invested in them have made an eternal difference in their life. And here's what I wish. I wish I had time today to mention every person and every event, but y'all wanna get to lunch, right? What I'm trying to say is this is a place that I am thankful for because of all that happened here. I was baptized here, surrendered to ministry here. I was blessed to serve as a pastor for 18 years. And I know I have seen God do many great things. You see, I, like Paul with the Philippians, have a fond remembrance of Valley Creek. However, the fond remembrance was more than just about thinking about good times. Paul mentioned what specifically gave him reason to be thankful. Look at what he said in verse 5. He said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And what we see Paul do is here, he has a foundation that's declared. What Paul was thankful for the Philippian church above all was, was ultimately based on the fact that the Philippians had worked with him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the ministry was about sharing the gospel. And that's so important. Folks, hear me clearly. It is the gospel that sets the true and effective church apart from all others, okay? Because a church that does not have the foundation of the gospel is nothing more than a country club or a support group. The gospel, however, makes a church unique. One of the great things about Valley Creek through the years 
is that it has been a church that has continually made the gospel a priority. For me, I remember being an eight-year-old, the same as some of the kids that have joined us for worship this morning. And if you're an eight-year-old kid and this is your first experience at worship, welcome in here. We're glad to have you, all right? Because I remember being an eight-year-old hearing the gospel at Valley Creek and then sitting in a pastor's office and hearing that pastor explain to me the good news of Jesus Christ. I remember sitting in that pastor's office, though, and remembering this. I've not done what you say I need to do. But I remember then being as a 10-year-old boy, sitting in church again in the old sanctuary just across the way there, or what is now the fellowship hall. I remember sitting in that same place, hearing a revival preacher share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in that night, in my heart, thinking this, I am that sinner that needs a Savior. And going home that night and praying and asking Christ to come into my life and take control. I remember being as a teen and continuing to hear the truth of the gospel and hearing the need to share it. And the desire began to burn in me to share that truth with others. And then I remember being a young adult and accepting the call to preach the gospel and then later accepting the call to pastor. Because this church has had the gospel as its foundation, my life is one that's been radically changed. As I know of many lives through the ministry of this church. And not only have many lives been changed by the gospel preached here at Valley Creek, but many people have been sent to share the gospel. The many mission trips are far too numerous to count. People have went to Poland and Russia, Nepal, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Africa to name a few places around the world. They have went to various states to minister and share the gospel, while many others have went to many places in Kentucky. And by the way, the next trip going is at the end of the month when they go out to uh, Eastern Kentucky to help, all right, with disaster relief, but also to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many have went from this church to help others in need, but again, to share the true hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, besides mission trips, many have surrendered to full-time ministry. Here's what I did. I tried to think of all those who have been called and accepted the call to ministry. And to be honest, every time I stopped and thought, I continue to come up with more names. So here's what I know. I'm going to leave somebody out this morning. But some of the names I know of people who have been called from this place is Mike Williams, Donnie Flanagan, Mitch Ash, Marilyn Lord Kurtz, Jason McRae, Kyle Page, Stanley and Jeff Wingard, Leroy Rout, Andrew, who's on staff here, Luke, who's on staff here, Zach, who serves with us well, and most recently, Chase Elmore, who we've sent out to share the gospel. Again, I'm sure I've missed names, but folks, listen, it should be celebrated that Valley Creek is a church that continues to to send people out to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe even God's beginning to call some of you today to share that same gospel. Some of you may ask this morning, well, Brother Scott, why is it so important that we share the gospel? Why is that so important? Well, let me tell you, maybe you've heard it before and maybe you haven't, but here's what's true. Are you ready? Education tries to inform people, right? Shake your head, right? Laws and prisons seek to reform people, right? Then you have politics and religion that work to conform people, right? Think the way I want to do that, right? You think. I'll tell you how to think, right? That's what politics and religion does. But hear me, you ready? But it's only the gospel that can transform people. It is only gospel that can take a person who is dead and make them alive. Now, maybe for some of you, when I use the word gospel, you don't understand what that means, but it means good news. 
The word gospel is derived from the old English godspell, meaning good story. But before that, it is derived from the Greek euangelion, meaning good news. It is ultimately the good news of the good story of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. You see, all people, those hearing my voice today and those who will never hear my voice, we all have a common problem, and that problem is sin. And sin is anything that does not please God. It could be the bad things that we've done, or it could be some good things that we've failed to do. Whichever is the case, here's what we know. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's what the Bible tells us. Because of that sin, we have all died spiritually. As Paul clearly stated it in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, and you were dead in the trespasses of sin in which you once walked following the course of this world. Here's what I know. Halloween is right around the corner and a big fad that I don't understand, I've never understood this fan, the fad of zombies. I've never understood that. Zombies are not real. Y'all know that, right? But the reality is that one time or another, Listen to this. We have all been walking dead. Right? We, we, we've all been walking dead, walking dead in our sin. And the problem with some people is this. They've not yet recognized their deadness. We've all been there. And fortunately, there are some this morning who are still existing in a condition of deadness. You may be walking around and you may be, quote, living life, but you know you are really dead on the inside. You know who you are this morning. You feel it. You're living life, but you know you're dead. You're not really alive. But here is where God's good news come in. All right. In fact, some of the greatest verses of all the scriptures. I cannot preach 150th anniversary without sharing these verses from John 3, beginning in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Praise the Lord, right? but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, I hope you understand the truth of those verses. Though we were dead, condemned before a holy God, that same God made a way for us to be forgiven and have the hope of eternal life. That way was through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Th these verses said God gave his son. You see, we were the ones condemned, but God sent Jesus to come to earth to live a sinless life. Then he was condemned as a criminal, criminal, though sinless, and then he died in our place to suffer the death we all deserved. But the good news doesn't end there because the really good news is that three days later he rose again to prove that he has the power to forgive sin and to give eternal life to all who believe. Amen. To all who place their faith in Jesus and trust his or her life to him. You see, that's the gospel, and that is the good news. It is the good news that doesn't matter who you are or what you have done, there is a possibility of God's forgiveness and the hope of eternal life for you if you believe. For the person who truly believes in Jesus in their heart, that person is then transformed from death to life. As Jesus said in John 5, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has come, in, he has, does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to what? From death 
to life. Isn't that good news? It is, and it is only the foundation. It's the only foundation worthy of building your life upon. And I am thankful that this is the foundation that Valley Creek has been built on through the years. And hear me. If the gospel is your foundation, there is more good news. Ready? Because Paul mentions a future promised. Look what he says in verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, there are times that I believe that Christians have this misunderstanding that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that everything's done. The truth is, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved, you have the hope of salvation, but that's just the beginning of your walk with God. It should really usher in God's work in your life that will last until the day you get to heaven and are made perfect. I wish this. I really wish. I really wish that when I gave my life to Jesus that I became perfect in that moment, but I didn't. I became alive, and you know what I discovered? I discovered when I became alive, the struggle in my life just began. It just began because what I discovered was the spirit of God that was now living in me and made me alive was battling with my flesh that still wanted to sin. My flesh is still fought for control. What God has promised to believers is this, that if he began a good work in you, he's going to carry it out to completion. In other words, that kid's song is true that says, God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? Y'all know that one too, right? I hope I'm not singing new songs for you this morning, all right? If so, I'll put my album out later, and I'll let you buy it, okay? I'll say this. If there's anything the last year has taught me, here's what it is. Here's what the last year has taught me, that I still have a long way to go to be who God wants me to be, that I have a still a long way to go to loving others as I should, that I have a long way to go when it comes to forgiving as I should, that I have a long way to go to get rid of the pride in my life and to simply live for God. But what I am thankful for is this, is that God is still at work in my life. And if you are a believer, he is still at work in you. Even if somewhere along the way you have failed God, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, he's not finished with you. He's not finished. Just as God was not finished with Peter when he denied Jesus three times, he is not finished with you. And even if you have failed in a big way, if you are willing to let God work, he will continue to work in you and he will continue that work until you get to heaven and are made perfect. Praise the Lord, right? In fact, if you love God and are letting the gospel transform you, God's promise is this, that everything in life is gonna work together for good, right? Isn't that what Romans 8, 28 tells us? And we know that for those who what? For those that, who love God, right? For those who love God, what's he doing? All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The good, the bad, the tough, the easy, the failures, the successes. God is at work in all of them to complete his work in your life if you love him. That's good news, is it not? Now, something else I want to mention there is this, though. In the original Greek language, the word you here is actually plural. All right, if I was going to put it in our vernacular, it'd be something like this. He who began a good work in you all. Or maybe I should say, he who began a work in y'all. That's better, right? Who began a good work in y'all is going to complete it. He is. What we cannot overlook is the corporate nature of what God is doing. 
You see, in our individualistic world, we have a tendency to pick up the Bible and read it from an individualistic nature and forget that there's a corporate nature. We want to look and say, what's in this for me, right? When God says it's not just all about you, there's a corporate side of this. You see, today we're celebrating 150 years of Valley Creek, and we celebrate what God has done in this corporate body. We would be amiss today if we didn't recognize that God has a future for Valley Creek. I believe this. God's going to carry his completion out as long as we remain his church. We need to hear this. And here's why. In the past, there have probably been times when people have looked at Valley Creek and it's gone through some years of difficulty. In 150 years, you're going to have moments of difficulty, right? Right? I've not been married that long and I've had moments of difficulty. There's going to be moments of difficulty. And I'm sure there's times people have looked at Valley Creek and said, God is done with Valley Creek. But you know what? God has seen Valley Creek through all those times and watched Valley Creek do great things. Now, here's what I know. We can go back and, and we can look, all right? And we can look at the, the, the last year and we, we can say this, that the last year has been tough. Or we can look back and say, you know what? COVID has done a number on the church. What COVID has done to all of our churches is terrible, is it not? And then we can look at that and we can look at the last few years and say, man, things are tough, all right? And so God's done with Valley Creek. I'm gonna tell you, God is not done with Valley Creek. As long as we continue to be a church, all right, that is built on the foundation of the gospel, God's going to continue to use this place for great things. Even as Jonah shared with us a few weeks ago, think about this, folks, all right? All right, God had us plant that campus on the north end of the county, right? God had us do that, and right now they're getting ready to build, what, how many units is it across the road? Is it 60-some individual homes right across from the church? You tell me God doesn't know in advance what he's doing, right? right? And we may at one time look and say, why, why do we do that for, right? I, I know people question it. Why, why I know it. God knows what he's doing, and I believe that what get, is getting ready to happen in our county, God has us place to say, I'm going to do great things through Valley Creek. The work is not done, and it's not just at South Wilson. It's here at Springfield Road. I am here to tell you that God is not done with Valley Creek Baptist Church. God is going to carry out his work to completion, and I believe he's going to do it to his praise and to his glory. I do believe, though, there is a key to God working in his fullest, and it's the next thing that Paul mentioned. He had a fruitfulness prayed for. Look what he said in verses 9 through 11. He said, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent so to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. What Paul wanted to see was fruitfulness in the life of the Philippian believers, what he called the fruit of righteousness. And he knew that if they were going to be fruitful believers, here's what they needed that they needed to be growing in love. He wanted their love to abound more and more. Now, this, this should make sense to us, should it not? What is it that Jesus wanted for believers? He wanted them to love properly, did he not? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Not just love, but love for one another. 
The command is to love, all right? Jesus gave us this. And increasingly, I'm just gonna be real blunt with you because you can't fire me now, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna be real blunt. This is a command that we see practiced less and less in our world. If you don't believe me, just do a little exercise today. I don't know who you follow on Twitter or Instagram or all those, but, but you just go and you just go and you find some of your Christians that are, are tweeting or whatever, all right? And you know what you see constantly? My heart breaks every day. You see a Christian brother or sister, all right, who is downgrading another Christian brother or sister, okay? Instead of expressing love, they're trying to express their opinion and disagree. They're trying to bring them down. I believe today God's heart's breaking in our world. He looked at us and he says, we are to love one another. The world will know that we are Christians by our love for one another, right? He didn't say by agreeing all the time, right? But he did say love one another. And I believe what God's prayer for us, for this church, for all of his churches is this. If we're gonna go forward in the future and be who God wants us to be and grow as he wants, our love has to abound more and more. He wants our love to grow in knowledge. He wants our love to grow in discernment. He wants our love to grow to where believers are pure and blameless. And I think that we have a ways to go, but I believe this, right? I believe we can do it, right? Do you? Now here's where this brings us. We're getting ready to close. I hear the stomach scrawling. We're ready to go. It's, it's bad when I walk in this morning. It was or, I got, got a joke before I got up here. How long are you preaching today? I said, not as long as when I preached back in June, all right, in Tennessee, all right? I went a long time, all right, the last time I preached. It was forever, I preached, all right? But I want to give you four challenges as we prepare to close. And I'll make these quick, all right? Number one, be a person that is remembered fondly. How are you a person that's remembered finally? I can give you two quick things real quick. Well, number one, be a person who is involved. Believe it or not, there may be some of you that aren't remembered finally by a pastor of any kind because they never knew who you were because you were never involved. Right, what God would challenge you is to be remembered finally by being involved. Be that one who teaches the little five-year-olds and loves it. You're remembered even 70-some years later, right? Be that person that's involved. Number two, all right, well, let me, before I move on, let me say this. It tells me this. Some of you here this morning may have been thinking, oh, do I need to get involved? Do I need to join the church? Yes, today's the day to make that commitment, right? The second thing to be remembered is this. Be an encourager and be a happy person, right? I know, again, I know this is going to be, be, be this, is, this is like this awakening to some of you, Right? Not every person is remembered finally by their pastor because some people are just griping and complaining. Some of y'all didn't laugh very hard. Is that you? <laughs> Paul's laughing at that one, right? But I'm going to tell you today is this. If you want to be remembered fondly, be that person who is an encourager. Be that person who, man, this brings joy with you, all right? Because that's the people you remember fondly, amen? Right? Be one of those people. Number two, let the gospel of Jesus Christ transform you. Probably the most important thing I'll say to some of you today is simply this. 
If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day to do that. Maybe you've heard the gospel. If you've been to Valley Creek, I know you've heard the gospel, okay? I know that's happened. And maybe you've been thinking, well, maybe I need to do that. I'll do that next week, or maybe I'll do that. I'm just not quite ready to do that. Folks, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us. I was driving yesterday, and I passed this horrible wreck. I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know who was hurt, but all I know is it looked bad. And I'm thinking, man, that, that could have been really bad for somebody. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, right? And so listen, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, today is a day to come and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I need Jesus as my savior. I believe he died for me and God, I know that I failed, but Lord, I wanna confess that sin to you and I invite Jesus in my heart today to forgive me and to take over and to be the Lord of my life. And I know if you'll do that, you'll go from a walking dead to walking living in God. And so today, some of you let Jesus Christ transform your life, all right? Third, I would say this, trust God to finish his work. Trust God. We live in a world of such uncertainty. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, but I don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in fear because there's a God that you can trust. And here's what some of you need to do today. You need to come and even kneel before a holy God and say, God, I am trusting my future. I'm trusting my life to you. And God, here's what I want you to do in me. I want you to work. God, whatever you want to do in me, God, I give my life to you. Just work because I'm trusting that you're going to do great things. And if you're here at Valley Creek and you've been worried about the future and what it looks like, why don't you come kneel before a holy God and say, God, I trust you because I believe you got Valley Creek right there in your hands and you're going to carry your work out to completion. And maybe pray for the church and say, God, I want to see you do great things. Number four, grow in love continually. I don't know who you are this morning. Maybe you look at your life and you can say, I'm a, I'm a loving person. I, I don't need that last point. I bet we all could love a little better. Anybody got somebody that comes to your mind that's an enemy, right? We've all got those, right, probably. You know, God called you to love them too. So if you're not quite there yet and you carry some hatred or animosity to somebody in your heart, guess what? You got a little growing to do, right? And why not even come this morning, kneel before the altar again and say, God, help me to grow in love. Help me to abound in that. Let me have greater knowledge of love. Let me have greater discernment in my love. God, help me to love as you loved. Because remember, his love took him to the cross to die for you and me. Is your love willing to do that yet? I mean, you can't die on a cross for somebody else, but are you willing to give your life for somebody if you need to out of love? If not, if not, you got some growing to do, Amen. So we're going to come to a time of invitation. Brother Shane will be up front. And Brother Jonas, you'll be up front. I want you to come. I don't, you might want to come to one of these guys and pray with them. This altar is open. If you have any decision to do this morning, this is the time to do it. Because, right? again, we're celebrating what God has done here at Valley Creek. But, again, it's not done. And so if God has a work he wants to do in your life today, well, you let him do it. And we'll start the next 150 years celebrating what God has done in you this morning. Does that sound good? Let's pray together. Our Father, as we bow into your presence this morning, we are so thankful, Lord, for these last 150 years at Valley Creek.
And Father, we're thankful for those years because we're thankful for what you have done in the life of this church and in the life of the people who've come through this church. But again, Father, we know that any work that is done has ultimately been a work that is done by you. And so, Father, as we come to this time of invitation, what we're simply asking, God, is for you to continue the work that you have begun. And it really was a work not begun 150 years ago, but really it was a work that, that you began at the creation of this world because, Father, even what Jesus did, you had planned long before he came, long before he died. You already knew the greatest need that man would have, and you were prepared to meet us where we're at, to give us the hope of eternal life. And so, Father, above all, we celebrate you. So in these moments during this invitation, God, my prayer would be that your spirit would move, that you would work, and that, Father, we would simply respond. That as we hear your voice, that we wouldn't say no, or we wouldn't say tomorrow, we wouldn't say later. But, Father, as we hear your voice, we would say now. Now is the time to commit as a member, covenant with others, to love and to serve together. Now is the time to change my attitude, and be more positive, be more encouraging. Now is the time to let Jesus take control of my life. Now is the, the time to trust the future to the Lord. Now is the time to love even better. And so, Father, I pray during this invitation, some would say, now is the time. And we could truly say at Valley Creek, it's 150 years and still going. So work this morning, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Pour your spirit now in these moments, I pray. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.